Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail, created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. And I'm Katie. Welcome back to Crimes and Cocktails. Tonight is Ed Kemper Part 2. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of uh, Edmund Kemper's crimes. So last time we left off, Ed was being released on parole back into his mother's care after the murders of his grandparents. Um, But before we move on with the story, make sure you all have um, Kemper's drink of choice, which is a PBR and a shot of shitty tequila. Um, This is going to be the week that we kind of warned you about. (laughs) So you're definitely going to need a drink. Uh, Also, Um, I'm just going to say this right now. I am recording from Long Beach right now. What's up, Long Beach? (laughs) But that also means that um, you might hear a lot of chaos in the background. (laughs) Yeah, not the normal setup. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so, I'm on here on like a quick little vacay, just visiting friends and stuff. Because as you guys know, like... Katie and I both used to live in Long Beach, and um, so yeah, I'm actually recording out of a closet right now in my old roommate's uh, bedroom. (laughs) Shout out to Devin. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Devin. (laughs) But you might hear some construction or sirens or even Kisa the cat trying to partake in this podcast, so just wanted to let you all know that. (laughs) And as far as tequila, I'm not drinking tequila because my stomach is still not recovered from this weekend. (laughs) As it should. <laughs> I am drinking so. my beer. I'm drinking actually a PBR. So cheers on that. But I, um, I know we owe some some shots. Yes, we have a new patron, Donna. Thank you so much for joining Woo-hoo! us. Um, I'm gonna take some shots for you tonight. Donna, <laughs> but... I will take shots for you tomorrow. I promise. I'll even post it on our story. But I went camping with some friends over the weekend and. All their uncles like brought tequila and apparently I just was like a 12 year old who never drank for some reason and decided to take literally <laughs> like five shots in a row on a pretty empty stomach and <laughs> it was uh it was good times <laughs> but my stomach is still like shaky so <laughs> I also want to apologize because we're recording <gasps> earlier than normal and I just got home from work and as you can hear my dog's <laughs> Hello, on a bender <laughs> um she's just and uh taylor's not home from work yet to keep her it's gonna be a good time guys it's gonna be a great episode (laughs) buckle up (laughs) buckle up so thank you again donna i'm gonna cheers with my beer cheers thank you so much and if you guys want to also be a patron there's more goodies that come your way other than just us you know, making our livers quiver for you. <laughs> yeah. But you can check all that out at patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails. 
and you can follow us also if you're not already on our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails. So let's just go ahead and jump on into this. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be crazy. So let's do it. Yes. So like I said, when we left off, Ed had just been released from state hospital after killing his grandparents and had moved to Aptos, California. His mother was coming out of a third marriage and had relocated to the central coast area of California. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Our, <laughs> you can always interrupt with a whoop whoop, so, unless it's like he chopped off her head. Whoop whoop. No. That'd be whop whop. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was actually just talking to my roommate oh, about God. this. Uh, or, well, not my current roommate, but my former roommate, Devin. Yes. And we were talking about how I saw like a few podcasts talk about. Yeah, they were apologizing for humor that they were making and stuff like that about murders and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. do you guys really think, really, do you really think that I condone murder? Like, no, yeah. we're making jokes, Obviously guys. Not. It's funny. It's how we kind of, like, deal with some of this trauma. But, like, and process. I don't need to explain I it. jokes about my own trauma. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> On the like, daily. That's how I deal. And so, um. Yeah, I guess I could say that. I mean, we have a warning at the beginning of the podcast yeah. for a reason. You can't hang. Um, I'm sorry, but this is going to be a uh, this is gonna be a rough. You can't episode. hang. Someone is. <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> like last yeah. episode was like PG 13. This is definitely rated R stuff today. Mm-hmm. So if you can't handle jokes about it, move along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Um. So Ed Kemper's uh, mom got a job as an administrator at UC Santa Cruz. And then during this time, Edmund went to community college and worked a few odd jobs here and there. He wanted to be a police officer or a state trooper. They always but he was do. Too tall. <laughs> I know. And then they failed. <laughs> Crazy. But um, yeah, he was too tall and too big. So he was 6'9 and close to 300 pounds. So just this monstrous guy. And they're like, um, we don't make uniforms for you, dude. <laughs> so I mean, he, uh, yeah, dude. He I don't was... know. <laughs> I thought we called the brute squad. You are the brute squad. <laughs> I'm on the brute squad. <laughs> so yeah, this guy fucking giant. So, um, but he, he was uh, super intelligent. I was reading that his IQ was yeah. like 136 or something like that. I was like, geez. Yes. Yeah, no, he was really smart. So just he used his powers for evil. (laughs) Yeah. um, He eventually got a job with the California Department of Transportation and moved to the nearby Bay Area city, Alameda, with a roommate. Um, he was unable to pay his rent consistently, so he had to move back in with his mom in 1973. (laughs) (laughs) Who had to move in with their parents when they were 30? Raise your hand. (laughs) Good news is I don't still love my parents, so all right. And I also didn't yes. kill people, so all right. So despite That's being great. 300 pounds and six foot nine, this guy rode a motorcycle, which I would love to see. Just saying. And It'd be like when you see the grown men on the children's bike. He's all on a tightrope. Exactly. I'm just like, this guy rode a motorcycle, really? Southern motorcycles are not that cool. I it was probably like one of those big like fat rides, like the big yeah, hogs yeah. or the sidecar or something. 
hog yeah hog <laughs> yeah. so anyways one day he was riding his motorcycle and he was hit by a car which i'm like how'd they not see that coming but uh he received fifteen thousand dollars from the settlement <laughs> the dream i know man, man. to get hit, hit me. <laughs> taylor is hey, always like what are you loans. doing because i will just walk right out in a parking lot like i'm leaving target or something and i'll just walk right out and he'll like grab me and pull me back and he's like what are you doing and i'm like honestly i hope they hit me like i got a lot of student <laughs> loans to pay for they're going at a slow enough speed where it's not going to really do much damage um and they can they can pay out you make my day <laughs> that's my it's plan like me when i so, uh, was kind of hoping that <laughs> someone would get covid with me at work <laughs> so you can go i don't really wish covid on anyone but when i was working starbucks case. dark times guys but when yeah. i was working there they said oh well if you come in contact with anyone who has covid you get 80 hours of pay and you have to take 10 days off and i was like oh my gosh please cough on me <laughs> you're all like um take a drink of this okay thank you yeah <laughs> drink it, it was like that friends episode <laughs> where phoebe's like trying to like get napkins of like oh, rachel and yep. to get sick because she wants her sexy voice back but i'm like i just need yes. time off <laughs> <laughs> paid time off come on i just need a break <laughs> all right so he used this money to go and buy himself a car a 1969 yellow ford galaxy with a black top uh if you look up ford a galaxy there, the nineteen sixty. You have to look up the sixty nine one because then you will understand kind of a little bit of the fear of a victim getting in the backseat of this guy's car because the newer ones, it's like they could totally get out, but the older ones, no. So at this time, Ed started to drive around and he would see hitchhiking young women, and he would fantasize and daydream about picking them up and killing them. But he never, he doesn't do this yet. He eventually purchases a knife, a gun, handcuffs, and he does start picking up hitchhikers, and he would fantasize about killing them, but he didn't act on them at this point. In later interviews, Ed said that he picked over 150 hitchhikers that he didn't kill. Those are like 150 really lucky people, just saying. Yeah. Oh, Oh my my gosh. gosh. Uh, And, you know, around this time, too, like, hitchhiking was pretty common we got to remember coming out of the 60s like the whole hippie movement santa cruz and berkeley and all this is like populating with college students so like now you know hitchhiking is illegal and this is why guys it's not because the man's trying to ruin your day (laughs) this is why it's illegal yeah it's trying to keep you alive for another day (laughs) yeah come on they got you to pay those taxes so you know but uh the workers the wonders (laughs) So he started to only pick up hitchhikers that he found attractive, which was small, petite, young women, like 19-year-old, you know, five-foot-nothing, like, women. So, which is just, I mean, I'm I'm 5'10", but if I was, like, the small, petite woman and this, like, seven-foot monster... He's like offering me a ride. Right? I don't think no, I would do you. it at all. No, but thank you. You like come up to his freaking knee. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, no. But I mean, everyone's pretty naive at this point, and there's just the spirit of free love in the air, I guess. And and a lot of these girls, I mean, they're 18, 19 years old, so it's, they're probably just moved out of the house. Their first year of college. I've actually known a couple yeah. of stupid freshmen in my life, so. <laughs> Kind of makes yes. sense. Um, a lot of stupid <laughs> so he was also kind of a true crime fan, if you want to say that. This is kind of the uh, downside sometimes of true crime stuff, is he would read a lot of true crime police novels and magazines, and 
kind of learn a lot of tips on how to kill from this stuff. And when he would pick up these hitchhikers, he would also kind of learn their behavior and try to interact with them. But he was just so socially awkward that and he just probably had his mom's voice in his head all the time, too. Just like, you don't know how to talk to girls, you, you failure. giant, ugly rapist. Yeah, I know. I mean, she was like <laughs> yeah. conditioning him for this, I swear. But yeah. he'd also hang out at the local bar, the jury room uh, in downtown Santa Cruz, which at this time, this was like a police bar. Now, I don't think police would be caught there except to like arrest people. <laughs> but uh, they would hang out there and he would drink with them, drink his beer, his tequila and stuff. Or actually, Mezcal was more his choice. Um And I guess they just, you know, they would talk to him about cases and stuff because they just kind of figured like, oh... Big Ed, that guy, what's he going to do? He's kind of dumb. He's got a few screws loose kind of a thing. You know, they just kind of saw him that way. So besides being a giant, when you look at, at his face, you wouldn't really think like. No, he just looks like someone who got, just. He just looks like a doof. Yeah, just sits there eating like <laughs> so. chicken nuggets or something. Like <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't look like this killer guy. I don't know. No. So Ed would pick up girls like this for over a year. And eventually, I think he just, it was time for him to act on it. And he also had, you know, he wasn't living with his mom during this time, but he was, you know, in constant contact around his mom and stuff like that. So I'm sure that that is just nagging and all this rage is like kind of blowing up. And then he also just feels like he can't talk to girl even if he wanted to. And so he just focuses on all this anxiety and rage and in his head and anger and stuff like that. And he finally just, uh, he just snapped. So one day on May 7th, 1972, Ed Kemper was driving in Berkeley, California, which is another college town in the Bay Area. It's a little bit over an hour away from Santa Cruz. Um, He picked up two 18-year-old Fresno State University students that were visiting the area and trying to get to Stanford University. Mary Ann Pesch, I want to say her last name is, and Anita Mary Luchessa. So after driving for about an hour, and these girls don't know the area, so they're trusting Ed to take them where they want to go. Uh, He manages to reach a secluded wooded area near Alameda, which is the town he was currently living in. Um, He's pretty familiar with it. You know, he also works in transportation, so he knows about all these like roads and everything like that. And then when he gets there at gunpoint, he ties them up and he takes one of them out, leaving the other girl in the backseat of the car And he takes the other, um, I'm sorry, he takes Mary Ann out and he stabs her several times in the woods. And then he ends up strangling her to death. And I, it was pretty difficult for him. Like, I mean, he's this big guy, but I just don't think he was realizing how much energy it was going to take to do this. So he's pretty like exhausted at this point just like oh my gosh but he's like I have to kill the other girl because she's gonna rat me out so he comes back to the car and he has blood on him and the other girl Anita she asks you know what happened and I actually have a clip of Ed Kemper explaining this um this instance of what happened here so I'll play that for you real quick here 
too. When that gun was pulled out, I launched it out. For, it, I had it under my leg, out of sight, parallel to my, to my leg in the seat. It was something that had been thought out in fantasy, acted out, felt out hundreds of times before it ever happened. Kemper drove them at gunpoint to a secluded area near a park. He took one of them into the woods, leaving the second girl tied in the car. I just gone through a horrible experience with her roommate stabbing her. And I was in shock because of that. I couldn't believe that it was that way. And I'm walking back there bewildered. I gotta kill her. I can't let her go. She's gonna tell him. Everybody's gonna get me. She sees the blood on my hands. What are you doing? She pulled back and she gasped. And I think, whoa, I don't want her to know what happened. I said, your friend got smart with me. She'd been getting really smart with me a lot, but I never hit her. I killed her, but I didn't hit her. I said, <laughs> your friend got smart with me and I hit her. I think I broke her nose. You better come help. She's about to die. Why, do, why does she have to know that? I couldn't deal with telling her that. And when I attacked her, she didn't at first realize what was happening. It didn't go through. She had very heavy coveralls on. It knocked her right up into the lid of the car, but it didn't pierce the clothing. So wasn't that swell a knife anyway. I went out and bought a, a pawn shop huge knife. And uh, I kept on just mindlessly attacking. She falls back into the trunk. I just killed a young woman. I slammed down the lid of the trunk. She isn't dead. She's dying. And I panicked. I thought, I just locked the car keys in because I can't find them in my pocket. Oh, my God, I locked them in the trunk. I'm kicking on the trunk lid and yanking on it. Oh, no, I don't believe this. I started to run, and I tripped over the gun that I'd had in my pants that I had totally forgotten was there. I stopped. I said, stop and think. I collected my wits. Check all your pockets. I picked the gun up. I stuck it back in my pants, now remembering I had one. I checked all my pockets, and there's the keys in the back pocket. I never put them in my back pocket. Everyone. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so it's a good thing he didn't hit her. <laughs> right? You like how he also um, tries to like shift some blame on her to be like, well, she was kind of getting smart with yeah. me. Yeah. But then he tries to justify and be like, well, I, I didn't beat her because he knows that beating her. women is wrong. But he's like, I just killed her. Yeah. As if that makes And then he has this weird better. like guilt where he doesn't want this other girl to know that he killed mm-hmm. the other girl. So he's like trying to say like, oh, you need to come and save her, like come out and save her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he knew that if she was aware that her friend was dead, that she would struggle more and run. Yeah. And so it was coming from. And I I just need her to. I don't think think he should deal with the the shame in that moment either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he later confessed that while he was stabbing Anita, he accidentally brushed his hand against her breast and it was embarrassing. Um, He was just like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't touch a woman's breast or or stab her in the breast. But, you know, I guess anywhere else is fine. So um, he put both of the girls' bodies in the trunk of his car and on his way home, you know, with the bodies in his car, he was stopped by a police officer for a broken taillight. Um, Ed said he was preparing to kill the police officer, but ended up not since the um, he didn't detect that anything was off. This guy like jumbles so many times in this, which I mean, it's his first. I know. 
like yeah. I mean his grandparents was his first murder but this is like his first murder kind of yeah. you know what I mean yeah and just like to hear him talk and just about like oh my gosh like where are my keys the gun or fell this, out I, I tripped over my, my gun yeah. and blah 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 and you're just like what the heck that's why when I said he was a doof earlier like this is why yeah <laughs> but his a... voice is so yeah. scary yeah he talks very he's very assured of what he's saying he's very methodical about what he's saying he's very rehearsed and it's just matter of fact yeah this is what i did <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's creepy so um yeah so he's preparing to kill the officer but then you know he didn't get caught so he was left so Which, ed took side side uh note here so my friend's a police officer and she <gasps> said that uh not necessarily because of this specific case, but because of cases like this. Now, when you get pulled over a police officer, they always touch your trunk. Um, and it's for two reasons. One, it's to make sure that no one's in there and that it's like, you know, closed all the way or something like that. And that no one's in there, either a victim or someone ready to jump out and like shoot you. And two, so that their thumbprint is on there in case anything does happen to the officer. Yeah, and probably just to see what the reaction would mm-hmm. be too. Like if I had bodies in my trunk, and the officer touched the trunk, like I don't, I wouldn't be able to keep straight. Right. So, like, fuck, yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> be like, oh, I did it. Okay, I did it. But <laughs> so, I don't see how how Ed didn't have blood on him at this point. Like how? Yeah, I don't know because you'd think with all that stabbing, he he would have blood all yeah. over him. I mean, it's and, dark. And I don't think he mentions changing still. his clothes or anything like that. Yeah, but. I mean, when I, I've been pulled over at night, and they shine like a big ass flashlight in my face. Yeah. So even if it was dark, you'd think they would have noticed something. Yeah. This is the seventies, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Be different. <laughs> so, Ed took both of the bodies home to his apartment. His roommate was gone that night, so luckily for him. Um, and so Ed brought the bodies in, wrapped them in blankets. And Sorry, I just want to say, what a considerate roommate. <laughs> Right? You know, some roommates, they just bring guys home and they don't care that you're home or trying to sleep or whatever. And they're just like, don't mind us as we have very loud sex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a considerate roommate. (laughs) (laughs) I've had, I've had worse. No, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't. I hope so. Anyway, Um, so uh, he severed the hands and their heads off. He then proceeded to perform Armadio, Armadio. Yeah. So what that is is, um, it's a type of sex where you basically like fuck in between their thighs. So that's what he was doing there. Gotcha. Yeah. So he did that to both of the girls, and then fuck their decapitated heads. And I had to look this up because I was my own curiosity wanted to know if. Sorry, this is too much. detail we're way past that point though but when he was like <laughs> i just said fucked their heads, fucked their I, heads. Think we I, say whatever we want. I was literally just like uh but what end of the head because if it's severed, okay i was wondering that too so when i, looked I was it listening to the, the podcast mouth. the other day okay in the mouth yeah i guess that makes sense uh, if any of this makes sense yeah <laughs> like, oh my god whole new so, meaning um, to uh yeah flashlight there so you know yeah so he also took um polaroid pictures of them and then Gotta he have kept the remains. <laughs> also, if um, any of your friends own an old 1970s Polaroid, they're probably a serial killer. <laughs> don't try to think if I have one. I don't. I used to. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
I mean, I used to do it. I didn't use but it. But then I got the stacks <laughs> with, the, with the sticker yeah. ones or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In stacks. Yeah. In stacks. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he kept their remains for a few days until then he, he decided to dispose of them. Um, he placed their, um, their remains in garbage bags and disposed of them in a ravine near Loma Prieta Mountain. Um, but not before fucking their heads again in the woods, you know, for old time's sake. So Mary Ann's skull was found later that year in August. Um, but to this day, Anita's remains have never been found. Which is um, really, really sad for her family. Yeah. I, there's a lot of wildlife, um, out there mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a lot of <laughs> yeah mountain range. So yeah. On September 14th, 1972, after a, another really bad fight with his mother, which is a lot of these murders are triggered by that, Ed Kemper picked up 15-year-old dance student Aiko Ku. Um, she had missed her bus to dance class, which was up in the Bay Area, and she you know, was trying to find another way to get out there still. Uh, so like his other murders, he drove to a remote area, but Aiko realized pretty quickly they're going in the wrong direction, so she started to freak out. And Ed pulled out his gun, which obviously caused her to freak out even more. And to calm her down, Ed said he was only he was planning on using the gun on himself, that he was going to commit suicide, and he just didn't want to be alone. But if she signaled to anyone on the road or didn't settle down, then he would also kill her. So interesting tactic there. To I don't know. That's that's so weird. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd even think of that. But for some reason, Ed gets out of the car at one point, and during this, this doofus leaves the gun on the seat, and the door closes and locks, and he gets locked out of his car. Um, As much as I would love to say that Aiko got really smart at this moment and took the gun and blasted him, she did not. Uh, somehow, Ed convinced her to let him back into the car. And I mean, she's 15 years old. She's probably this tiny little thing, just so terrified. I mean, I don't know. And I don't know what he said. So he, he he's like this, I don't know, when you hear him talk, it's just kind of like you, you feel like everything he says is truth in a weird way, I guess. So I can kind of so see. He talks so calmly, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I hear voices in the background. <laughs> but you're hearing things. Are you okay? No, what? Just you said, I'm sorry. You say something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Her there. Yeah. So at this point, um, she lets him back into the car, and he drives them farther into the mountains. And then he tries to suffocate her by sticking I don't know why, but his fingers, his ginormous, monstrous sausage fingers up her tiny little nose but then that didn't work and so then he takes her scarf and he strangles her with it one reason why i don't wear scarves uh once she was dead he laid her out and he raped her dead body and then he put her body into the trunk and this guy drives to his good old reliable jury room to have a few drinks with his cop buddies there and catch you know whatever the latest news is and then he heads back home in later interviews he said that while he was at the jury room in the parking lot there he even opens up the trunk to look at Aiko's body and quote admire his catch like a fisherman which is just like the balls on this guy I know. to open up his trunk 
and a parking lot where there's a bar filled with cops. I know. (laughs) So fucked up. So back at his apartment, he cut off Aiko's head and hands and then had sex with her corpse. Um, And then the next morning, he buried her hands and body in two different areas and then took her head in a bag and to drive to his last court mandated psychiatrist appointment. Um, And at this um, psychiatrist appointment, um, his psychiatrist actually wrote down in his notes that Ed seemed well adjusted and free of any psychiatric illness and was not a danger to society. Um, and then it was actually after Dear this Lord. records were sealed and he no longer had to go to appointments with any psychiatrist. So this is while Iko's head is in a bag in his car and he's not a quote unquote danger to society. I was just like, somebody take away this guy's license. That is I the one degree did. where C's should not give you a degree. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously. Oh my God. So, um, Aiko Ku's mother called the police to report the disappearance of her daughter and then also put up hundreds of flyers asking for information if anybody had seen her or knew where she was. Um, she didn't receive any responses regarding her daughter's location or status from the flyers or from the police. So. That's so sad. Yeah. So moving on to January 1973. At this point, Kemper, like we said earlier, was unable to keep up with his bills i don't know you know maybe all the uh killing of dead bodies and chucking heads around town and drinking with cop buddies stuff like that you start to fall behind in your job a little bit i guess i don't know i'm sure he paid it a lot of gas yeah too, just oh my gosh yeah of course gas so. was probably like a dollar a gallon or less back then so yeah also real quick since he was picking up these hitchhikers and stuff like that um he did say that well in between these killings he would pick up other hitchhikers planning to kill them but then if they mentioned that there was a hitchhike like hitchhiker killer guy on the loose he would decide not to kill them because he didn't want them to be like i don't know it was weird yeah he, he was he embarrassed just, by it yeah like, he was embarrassed by it so he didn't want to be like oh well now they're in the car and they mentioned the a hitchhiker killer and that's me so i better not kill them now it was really strange so, so weird yeah yeah so um at this point uh as you can imagine things are getting worse because he's living with his mom even though i just don't know how they could get much worse to be honest but he's cruising around the community college in the Santa Cruz area, um, Cabrillo College, where he picks up 19-year-old student Cynthia, uh, also known as Cindy Shawl. And again, he does this, which I think we forgot to mention earlier. He had this little like door lock trick that he was like practicing before he actually started killing people, where he had like a pen that he would like drop in the side of the door and so they wouldn't be able to get out and he'd be like oh hold on he like reach over and like you know fix it but he was trying to perfect this skill before actually acting on murdering these girls so but he did that and he forced her by gunpoint to get into the trunk of his car where he then shot her he then brought her body home to his mother's apartment when she was gone at work or something like that and he stored her in his closet He later performed sexual intercourse with her the next morning, and then he severed her head in his mom's bathtub. How? Just think about that next time you're relaxing in the bathtub with your candles and everything. Then proceeded. Oh my gosh. He then (laughs) uh, proceeded to take the bullets out of her body in her head, which is something that he learned from, you know, 
drinking with his cop friends at the jury room was, hey, don't leave evidence behind because that's how you get caught. So he actually took those bullets out and he kind of held on to the head for a few days for some playtime, I guess you could say, to fucking everything when he felt like it. And then he later buried her head in the backyard, but made sure to face her face towards his mother's bedroom, which is like this weird psychotic thing of like, fuck you, mom. I've got this like, you know, thing over you you don't know about, but blah, blah, blah. And then he got rid of the rest of her body by throwing parts of it um, off a cliff in Santa Cruz. And most of her remains were discovered. Uh, I cannot imagine the poor people that are finding these. Apparently, like, one surfer was out there and found her hand, which my thought as a surfer would be, oh, my God, there's a shark out here, <laughs> I think, at first. That's what I would think, too, especially in that area. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. Oh, but, you know, they, they report it and bring it in and everything like that, and then they ended up finding enough parts they're able to kind of piece it back together like a puzzle almost. And the yeah. coroner said that the cuts were made with a power saw. So he was probably in the bathtub, the power saw, yeah. doing stuff, which I'm just like, how do the neighbors not, like, complain about anything? Yeah. My neighbors complain about the slightest things, like the TV's too loud or something. So <laughs> I know. Where are these? Is he finding these neighbors? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need Where to are know. people finding neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Neighbors and roommates. Gosh. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, because of all these murders, obviously police are warning young girls to not get into cars with strangers and hitchhike. And then at the um, UCSC um, had a bus service for safe rides and were telling girls to make sure they look for a certain sticker on the car, kind of like how you look for the sticker on Uber now. Um, and then Ed's mother had given him one of these stickers so he could have all access to campus to pick her up. Um and, you know, Ed's using the sticker so he can go around campus freely and undetected, um, which we will get into more on yeah. the next episode. I mean, that's just so sad and just so insane to me that it's like, it's like getting into a police car. I mean, like when people impersonate police yeah. officers and stuff like that, it's like you're supposed to trust them. They're supposed to be the one you trust mm-hmm. and everything. So I think you're doing everything right and being safe mm-hmm. and you're putting yourself into Yeah. And you guys have to remember that at this time, like we mentioned in the last episode, there were two other serial killers. So at the same time. So while Ed has murdered, I believe, three young women, four young women Mm -hmm. at this point, there are other people that have been getting murdered at this point by Herbert Mullen. So it's now that the police are like, holy crap. And they don't know if it's all related or several different people. You know, they're still trying mm-hmm. to, like, piece this all together. So there's just kind of a lot of uh, fear in the murder capital of the world at this point. Yeah. Which we are actually going to leave off right now for this episode. We still have a few more of Ed Kemper's murders again, too. And I know you're probably hoping to just, like, be able to finish this all in one episode, but... There's just so much information because Ed Kemper has done so many interviews and he just he's kind of a tell all person. He doesn't have a filter that I really want to like deep, deep dive into that next week or our next episode. Um, Yeah. Like I said, right now, like I'm in Long Beach and I just 
think we sh- we owe it to you to give you our best to finish Ed Kemper off <laughs> with. So. Yes, so that means a part three. <laughs> yes, so sorry about that. Uh, next week, we are going to do just a special Halloween episode. We're going to discuss about a few murders that have happened on Halloween and such. And I just also want to say congratulations to our giveaway winner. Um, we've got that stuff going out in the mail for you. And thank you for everyone who entered the giveaway. And hopefully you are now a listener. So we hope you keep listening and keep enjoying and keep chilling and driving. there will be more giveaways soon. Yeah. So if you are not already, follow our Instagram at Crimes and Cocktails because we will post all our drink recipes and giveaways on there and information. And be sure to also follow Katie at Grays and Stripes. And you can follow me at Tabitha.Ray. And if you have any questions for us or anything, just send us an email, crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter, even though I don't post on there that much, but that's also crimes.cocktails, so you can be sure to check that out. And yeah, I guess just... That's what we got for you today. That's what we got for you today, guys. So thanks for listening. Sorry, you know, there's probably a lot of commotion in the background, but uh, hope you guys just stay chill. Don't hitchhike. Don't get in cars with strangers. And yeah. Oh, and also if you hear weird power saws going at your neighbor's apartment and weird hours night, maybe you should just, you know, call the police. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I hope this episode was educational for you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Keep it on the flip side, guys. (laughs) 